Now we've taken some time to uh, situate Van Til as a confessional Reformed Trinitarian theologian. And this is very important for us to recognize. If you deal with the primary source of chapter 17 of the Introduction to Systematic Theology, and you ask, where does Van Til start? The key is that he's not starting with Voss or Bauman. He's not starting with Augustine or Calvin. He's starting with Old Princeton's reception of Westminster Confession 2-3. And, and so before Van Til applies that Trinitarian theology, you have to recognize the source of his confession. And it is the scriptures as summarily interpreted in the Westminster Confession of Faith. And so when, when we're asking the question about Van Til and trying to be sympathetic and critical, where are we led? We're led to confessional Trinitarianism as amplified and expounded by A.A. A. Hodge. So whatever else we have to say about Van Til when we look at some of his quotations, I want you to just remember what we have on the board. Unity of divine essence, distinction of persons with, who have pers incommunicable personal properties that subsist as the essence of God in an order of subsistence and operation, and it moves Hodge himself to speak in terms of the unity of the divine essence in this language, common intelligence, will, one consciousness, one person, absolute personality, and on the other side, to speak of incommunicable personal properties, three modes of subsistence who are self-conscious but not separate self-conscious centers. And he says, it's a mystery that moves us to worship. Now, Van Til also cites in chapter 17 of the IST, not with the same programmatic significance, he also cites the work of Herman Bovink and brings into view the continental Dutch tradition through Bovink's work in what is now translated as his Reformed Dogmatics. And the quote that Van Til picks up can be found in the new Reformed Dogmatics, uh, RD2, um, page 304. RD2, page 304. And he says this, Bovink does. Each person is equal to the whole essence of God and coterminous with both other persons and with all three. Bavink is important. Since Van Til understands his Trinitarian formulae to be indebted not only to the reception of the English Puritan tradition mediated through Old Princeton, but a continental Dutch tradition mediated through the dogmatic reflection of Herman Bavink. And so here's a key. Please grasp this. Van Til is an heir of both traditions and seeking a synthetic advancement of the genius of both. Van Til is at the same time influenced by old Princeton and by Old Amsterdam and does not see these two traditions in a fundamental tension, but rather they are the dialogue partners he's seeking to integrate and advance. This makes Van Til's Trinitarian theology 
a deeply ecumenical expression of Reformed Trinitarianism. And so it's important that we recognize not only is Van Til not a Biblicist, but Van Til is a, a robust defender of the old Princeton and old Amsterdam expressions of Trinitarian theology and sees no fundamental conflict between the two. However, we're going to see there is something that Bavink gives us that helps us amplify our understanding of what A.A. Hodge summarized from the Westminster Confession. So let us break that Bavink quote down and then look at what Bavink says on the pages just before 302 and 303 of the Reformed Dogmatic, which Van Til quotes. First, Bavink is saying this, each person is equal to the entire essence of God. There's nothing in the person that is not also in the undivided essence of God and vice versa. Now, that is fundamental agreement. This is um, Bavink, page 304 is in perfect agreement with what that first proposition we saw from A.A. Hodge summarizes. Second, each person is coterminous with the other persons. Now, what does coterminous mean? Most basically, it means equal in every respect. To say that the persons are coterminous with the entire essence and with each other is to say that they are not outside, behind, or in any way beyond the divine essence. But Bavink makes explicit and foundational something that Hodge is um, willing to acknowledge, but not with the same degree of confidence. And that is, when Bavink is talking about the unity of the divine essence and its implications, he brings out and uses the language of absolute personality. Absolute personality. Bavink speaks of the absolute personality of God with reference to the numerical unity and divine simplicity of the essence of God. On page 302 of Reformed Dogmatics, Bavink says the following, All three persons have the same being and attributes and hence the same knowledge and wisdom. Pause right there. That is identical in substance uh, to what Hodge has said about a common intelligence and a common will. So there, Bavink, Old Amsterdam, Hodge, Old Princeton are in baseline agreement. He then goes on to say, the unity of the divine being, now listen to this language, opens itself up in a threefold existence. The persons are not three revelational modes of the one divine personality. The divine being is tripersonal precisely because it is the absolute personality. Now here, Bavink situates the tri-personality of God, the fact that the Son, the, fa the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bring into view what? A tri-personal God. 
the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are tripersonal precisely because God is absolute divine personality. And Bavink situates the tripersonality of God as the unfolding of the absolute divine personality. The unfolding of the unity and personality of the divine being, which is one in knowledge and wisdom. So the divine being is tripersonal because it, the divine being, is the absolute divine personality. Now recognize what Bavink is saying because it's very important. And this plays into some of Van Til's formulations. The absolute personality of God's divine being opens itself up in a threefold existence. So the divine personality is one. The absolute divine personality, which is one in God, opens itself up into a threefold existence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so this one God is one absolute personality, and that absolute personality of the one God opens itself up in the tripersonal God. Now, Bavink in this quote works in what we might call a different direction from Hodge, but comes to the same conclusion. Let me explain. The essence of God subsists in each divine person. It is a unity that contains within itself the self-differentiation of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we can either speak of the essence as subsisting in a threefold manner. The essence, the absolute personality of God, subsists in a threefold manner. Manner number one is the Father. Manner number two is the Son. Manner number three is the Holy Spirit. The absolute personality of God the undivided unity of God's numerical essence subsists in a threefold manner, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or if you turn it around and speak the way Hodge was speaking, each distinct person is, look, a distinct mode of personal subsistence as that one divine essence. So one can either speak of the essence as subsisting in a threefold manner, or one can speak of three modes of personal subsistence as the undivided essence. So Bavink can speak of one absolute personality that unfolds in a threefold way, or he can speak of three distinct modes of subsistence who are one God. He's saying the same thing from distinct points of view. The entire undivided essence is itself unfolded as absolute personality into a threefold manner of being, and the persons are the distinct mode of subsistence. Now one point 
that's worth developing is, is this, that when Bavink is talking in this way, he is showing himself to be an Augustinian of a very high order. And um, when he discusses Augustine's conception of divine unity, Bavink does not hesitate to denote God's unity in substantial and personal language. One substance, one absolute personality that then has a threefold manner of existence. He observes that Augustine, quote, does not derive the Trinity from the Father, but from the unity of the divine essence, from the Godhead. Neither does he conceive it as accidental, but essential to the being of God. According to him, the mode of personal existence pertains to the being of God. In that respect, personality is identical with God's being itself. And only a few sentences further, Bavink says, every person is identical with the entire divine being, equal with the other two persons taken together, or to all three. Now, do you hear that language? I want to reflect on that with you for just a moment. Augustine does not derive the unity of the Trinity from the Father. That is the Eastern Trinitarian tradition. Instead, he derives the unity from the entire divine essence from the Godhead. But according to him, the mode of personal existence pertains to the being of God so that in that respect, personality is identical with God's being. It is the absolute personality that implies self-consciousness and self-determination. This is the Augustinian foundation to much of what Bavink is saying. So Bavink distinguishes between God as an absolute personality in his unity and the modes of existence in his diversity as that absolute personality has a threefold manner of existence. And so, here's what I want to do. I've given you in capsule form, Bavink, and presuppose the work that we've done on A.A. A. Hodge in expounding that, so that we don't need to spend as much time on Bavink giving some of the definitions and details. But here's the question that we need to ask at this point in our course. Is Van Til operating in terms of this old Princeton, old Amsterdam tradition exhibited by A.A. A. Hodge and Bavink? Or is Van Til in some way innovating with a species of Trinitarian novelty? Is he following the path set by old Princeton and old Amsterdam? Or is he deflecting from that path due to a compromise with some species of idealism or personalism, Boston personalism, for instance. Well, let's talk about Van Til's formulations. Having examined the sources that Van Til cites for his doctrinal formulations of the Trinity, Van Til then makes this statement. This is Intro to Systematic Theology, page 220. And, and I've given you the material from 
old Princeton and old Amsterdam so that I can now read Van Til with minimum exposition to make the point. He says this, over against all other beings, that is, over against created beings, we must therefore hold that God's being presents an absolute numerical unity. And even within the ontological trinity, we must maintain that God is numerically one. When we say that we believe in a personal God, we do not merely mean that we believe in a God to whom the adjective personality may be attached. God is not an essence that has personality. God is absolute personality. Please appreciate what Van Til is saying in that quotation. Following Hodge and Bobbing, Van Til speaks of God as absolute personality, as the direct outgrowth of the numerical unity and divine simplicity of the essence of God. The ontological trinity is numerically one. It's that old concept of the numerical unity that you have in historic creedal and confessional orthodoxy. This means that when we speak of God as personal in His unity, we are not saying that He is an essence who has personality added. That would be to add something to the divine essence. That would be analogous to the great error of covenantal properties to introduce accidents into God. That is not Van Til's view ever in his published writings. Personality, if it were something God had added to his essence, would be something of an accident that would destroy the numerical unity of God's divine essence. Personality would be an addition to the essence of God, a feature that God has as opposed to something God is. So when Ventil speaks of God as absolute personality and says that he is not an essence who has personality by way of addition, he is seeking to root absolute personality squarely in the numerical unity and divine simplicity of God's inalienable essence. The dependence on Hodge and Bavink seem quite obvious. So much so that nobody should have been surprised in the least that Van Til spoke this way, unless they were antecedently surprised that old Amsterdam and old Princeton spoke that way first. Van Til's conception of God as absolute personality is the direct outgrowth of the doctrine of numerical unity of essence and divine simplicity as found in the old Princeton and old Amsterdam, Van Til's inheriting and seeking to extend. In fact, Van Til says this on page 218 of the Intro to Systematic Theology, still in chapter uh, 17. He says, there is then no distinction between absoluteness and personality in God. God does not merely have personality, but is absolute personality. This is precisely Bavink's point as Bavink is following Augustine. This is an old 
Augustinian and Calvinistic Trinitarian axiom, particularly as mediated through Bonham. There is no distinction between the absoluteness and unity of the divine being and the absoluteness and unity of God's personality. Personality is not what God has, it is what He is. However, in the very next sentence, still on page 218 of the IST, uh, and moving uh, from that to, uh, into page uh, 220, Here's what Van Til says. He says, Yet within the being of the one person, we are permitted and compelled by Scripture to make a distinction between a specific type of being and three personal subsistences. God is one conscious being and yet a triconscious being. Now do you hear that distinction? Van Til is saying, that we are compelled by the Scriptures to affirm the unity, the numerical unity of the divine essence, yet we are equally compelled to speak of three distinct personal subsistences. That's precisely the language that you find in Hodge and Bavink. It's the language of the orthodox, confessional, classical Trinitarian tradition. So within the being of the one person, which is synonymous with the absolute personality of God, we are compelled to affirm the reality of three personal subsistences. So the one being of God, the one absolute personality of God, has within it a threefold existence, to use Bavink's language. These three personal subsistences are the full unfolding of the absolute personality of the living and true God. There is one essence of God, one absolute personality of God, that itself now subsists in a threefold differentiation of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And thus, the three distinct persons subsist as the entire undivided essence of God. This is precisely what we found in Hodge when he was talking about numerical unity and the common intelligence and consciousness of God. But then Van Til says that God then is a one conscious being and yet he is also a triconscious being. It's on page 220 of the IST. Thus, the entailment that Van Til draws is exactly the entailment drawn by Hodge. God is one conscious, he is triconscious. But here's the key, and this is something to get your minds around and reflect on and gain clarity on. The one consciousness is an entailment of the undivided simplicity of the divine essence. The one consciousness flows from the numerical unity of God's simple essence. The triconsciousness is an entailment of the subsistent relations and the incommunicable personal properties that distinguish the persons as modes of subsistence. And so when we're talking about one consciousness, we're talking about the entailment 
of simplicity. When we're talking about triconsciousness, we're talking about the subsistent relations of paternity, filiation, and spiration. And these are equally basic to the Godhead. God is not essentially one and accidentally three. He's not essentially three and accidentally one. He is in the nature of the case, one and three, three and one, and these are equally basic to his identity. So the triconsciousness represents the personal subsistences, the one consciousness, the undivided, absolute personality. And I spoke earlier in the introduction of how we need to be sympathetic and critical of Van Til. And at this point, we can try to be both. For Van Til, as you notice in this quotation on page 220 of the IST, for Van Til to refer to God in his being as a divine person is synonymous with God as an absolute personality. Absolute personality, one divine person, are synonyms for Van Til. He did not go on to delineate any meaningful difference as far as his publications between the two. They function in an interchangeably exhaustive way as synonyms. He says, for instance, this. Let me just read it. He says, God is one person. When we say we believe in a personal God, we don't believe that we don't say that we believe in a God to whom the adjective personality may be attached. God is not an essence that has personality. He is absolute personality. One person and absolute personality define one another. Both are the entailments of divine simplicity and numerical unity. Moreover, he says, within the being of the one person, we are permitted and compelled by Scripture to make a distinction between a specific type of being and three personal subsistences. But the point for clarification and this is not designed to make a judgment on Van Til or to say he was wrong. But the point for clarification and for understanding, which can open up a sympathetic and critical interaction with Van Til on this point, is that what he intends to convey by the language of one person is exhaustively identical to what is conveyed by the language of absolute personality. They are, for Van Til, synonymous. We might be able, and I believe we can, make some distinctions between the two. Van Til did not. But Van Til here is then not introducing a fourth subsistence into the Godhead. He doesn't believe in a quaternity of persons. He's not talking about a fourth mode of subsistence. He is not talking about a quadrenity of persons when he speaks this way. He is not thinking of the personal relations of subsistence within the divine essence when he speaks of God as one person. He's instead seeking to lay bare the implication of the one God having one intelligence, one will, one consciousness, one absolute personality in the unity of his undivided essence. That's his concern. In fact, in defense of the faith, to take us just for a moment outside of the Intro to Systematic Theology, page uh, 28 of the first edition, he says, God's absolute personality involves self 
conscious activity, but in the same paragraph changes his language to say that God is an absolute person. In three successive sentences, Van Til alternates between absolute personality, absolute person, and absolute personality to denote the same Trinitarian reality. There is no evidence in the paragraph Van Til intends to convey anything about the Godhead by his, uh, different about the Godhead in his change of language. To refer to the triune God as absolute personality conveys nothing substantially distinct from speaking of him as an absolute person. But from this presentation, from these quotations, here's what we need to understand. Van Til is not innovating at any point. He is affirming the language and the content of the old Princeton and old Amsterdam Trinitarianism represented by A.A. A. Hodge and Herman Bobbin. From A.A. A. Hodge, he speaks uh, of the subsistent relations. From Bovink, he speaks of the absolute personality. And so let me make two concluding observations as we uh, round this discussion off. First, Van Til's formulation cannot meaningfully, credibly, be understood as tritheistic. Not in a meaningful or credible way. Why do I say that? Well, Van Til's insistence that God is one absolute personality on the basis of his numerical unity and divine simplicity makes it impossible for him to stray into tritheism. Why? Because Tritheism denies substantial unity in the Godhead. Tritheism denies the numerical unity of the divine nature. Tritheism denies the reality of an absolute, common, divine intelligence and will. Tritheism instead locates a social unity, a functional unity a volitional unity in the context of three separate self-conscious centers of divine activity. Tritheism is all about three separate self-conscious centers united by a common purpose, united by a common love, united by a common social order, but not united by a common and undivided essence. For a tritheist, the single divine essence that entails a single divine intelligence, will, and personality cannot be confessed. So the error of tritheism begins with a denial of the numerical unity of essence and recasts the relations among the persons along the lines of a common community rather than personal relations of subsistence as the divine essence. When Van Til affirms the three relations of subsistence within the undivided essence, he denies the foundational error of tritheism. And so Van Til cannot, in a credible way, in a sympathetic or critical way, be understood to advocate tritheism. But secondly, Van Til cannot be 
reduced to the error of modalism either. Van Til opposes modalism or Sibelianism with equal vigor. Lest he be misunderstood, he affirms that there are three distinct persons within the Godhead, not merely three manifestations and three names of the one person. So he follows Hodge in, in, in his second proposition in particular, when Hodge says the difference among the persons is not merely nominal. So lest he be misunderstood, he says, each of the persons of the Trinity, this is Van Til, uh, and this quote is from page 220, each of the persons of the Trinity is exhaustive of divinity itself, while yet there is a genuine distinction between the persons. And affirming that, he's saying, nor is it to say that the distinctions of the persons are merely nominal. No Sibelian can say that. Van Til denies the sine qua non of Sibelianism, namely that the differences are nominal, and he argues that the differences among the persons of the Trinity are genuine differences that rest on distinct and incommunicable personal properties, and he affirms that those incommunicable properties are relations of personal subsistence in the undivided divine essence. It's therefore impossible in a credible, sympathetic, and critical way to charge Van Til with modalism either. He is neither tritheistic nor is he modalistic. Why? Because he's affirming foundational confessional reform Trinitarianism. I would even venture to say this, and I don't want to push this too hard, and I try never to overstate, but I would say that Van Til's doctrine of the Trinity is radically non-creative. Van Til is receiving and then developing ancient creedal and confessional Trinitarianism in a way that shows his devotion to the way old Princeton received the Westminster confessional tradition and the way um, Herman Bovink developed that same fundamental Reformed theology from a Dutch confessional perspective. And so as we continue to move on with Van Til, what do we begin to see? He is a Reformed confessional Trinitarian theologian who refuses to introduce accidents into the essence of God, refuses to affirm that the persons are separate self-conscious centers, and maintains that as persons they subsist as the one undivided essence of God. In this way, Van Til is unabashed in his devotion to confessional Reformed Trinitarianism, and it's in light of this doctrine of the ontological trinity that he develops the implications of perichoresis, autotheos, and what we'll call, from Van Til's own writings, the representational principle, which we'll develop in the following lectures.